Let's all stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing, Shall we gather at the river and then across the lands? Shall we gather at the river? Yeah. 
tonight and I looked out here and we've got we've got Opie <laughs> Owen Paul uh, Elmore and so uh, I they told me they were gonna do the nickname Opie Are you guys still going with Opie, still going with Opie. okay all right, all right. So. Wow first Sunday in the Lord's house that is great um, and maybe give us quick stats before we open up in prayer, because folks probably don't know the stats. Uh, I was born on July 25th. Um, he was 8 pounds, 2 ounces, 41.25 inches. Wow, excellent. And mom's doing great? Ah, that's amazing, wonderful. And both sets of grandparents are doing okay. <laughs> All right, let's open with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can come and be in your house tonight. And Lord, we do thank you for the miraculous gift of life. New babies, new people born into this world. And so exciting to have children born into Christian families where they'll be raised in that nurture and admonition of yourself to know and love you and to worship you for the next generation. I pray that you help us to honor you in every way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Let's continue in singing Rescue the Perishing and then Show Us Christ. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. We pour the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus the mighty to save. Rescue the perishing, Thank you. 
John filling in on the piano for Sandra Joe. Uh, Sandy's down in Virginia with Josh and the grand girls. And um, we appreciate John filling in. She, he's not as pretty as Sandra Joe, though. That's, you know, 
I, one of the things about being married to the pianist, I can sit over here and when she's playing the piano, I can wink at her. Nobody cares. That, right? Is it, isn't it great? You can look over there, you know, because when your wife's the pianist, you can just flirt with her if you want. But John A is not as cute, and I have no desire to flirt with John at all. Amen. But Sandra Joe, Sandra Joe, it's a whole different story. All right, I'd like you to take your Bibles. We're going to go to Acts chapter 20. I'm going to read you verses 7 down through 12. <clears throat> Tonight we're going to do kind of a, a sermon, maybe a little more of a, a lesson than a sermon. We're going to go back into the ancient church, the early church, and we're going to learn about worship. Uh, we come to Victory Baptist Church. We have services Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We gather together to worship. And what's the precedent? Why, why, why do we do that? Why did, why did we do it on Sunday? And then we do it on Sunday night and Wednesday. Why do we do these things? And what's the purpose? What's the, what's the idea that we come together for? And we learn all that from the early church. Uh, our desire is to follow the pattern of the early church. Um, every once in a while, somebody will ask me, well, how come we don't com do communion on Sunday mornings? And, and I tell them, well, even when I came here to be a pastor, uh, this church practiced communion on Sunday nights because that's what we see in the Bible is communion was in the evening. And so we do that still. Uh, a number of things we strive to do exactly the way the New Testament teaches. Baptism. I'll have people ask me, well, why do you guys still baptize underwater? Isn't it so much easier to just go ahead and sprinkle somebody? And I tell them, well, because the early church, the picture of baptism is there in the book of Acts. And we see that they baptized by submersion to picture the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And also us dying to the old man and resurrecting as a new person. All of those things come from the early church, the book of Acts. The epistles, reading through the scriptures, we strive to follow that. So the same thing with coming to God's house to worship. So I'm going to read to you Acts chapter 20, verses 7 down through 12. We're going to look at a number of scriptures through the New Testament, but we're going to also look at this text and understand why it is we come and worship and when we worship. And upon the first day of the week, and can somebody tell me what is the first day of the week? Sunday. It's Sunday. Now, most of the world thinks the first day of the week is Monday because they go to work on Monday. But actually, your calendar, the first day of the week is Sunday. So as soon as we say that upon the first day of the week, we know that we're talking about Sunday. When the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow and continued his speech until midnight. Now, there's an example that we should probably follow in the New Testament right there. See if we can't start teaching and preaching till midnight. All right, let's, there we go. We've got somebody behind it. All right. Um, but as we come down, we're going to see some other things too. So Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow and continued his speech until midnight. And there was many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. So now you wonder, why is it that every once in a while we look out here and we'll see older gentlemen sitting in church sleeping? Because in the book of Acts, it says that Eutychus, who happened to be a young man, not an old man, 
But he was in a what? What's it say? A deep sleep. So even you, if you're if you're falling asleep during church, you've got a text to back that up. Isn't that interesting? So as we come down, and as Paul was long preaching, and probably I need to be a longer preacher because we could follow that in the text too. Uh, Eutychus sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him, embracing him, said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till break of day, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. In other words, they were a lot comforted when it says not a little comforted. So when we look at this text, it kind of springboards us into the Bible study of these people gathering together for the purpose of being the church and worshiping God. And we start off a little bit jokingly, we started off talking about it being Sunday and some of the odd things that happened in the service. And of course, odd things happen in services. And the reason for that is because we're all just people. It doesn't matter whether we're people in the first century early church or whether we're people today, things happen, don't they? But when we look here, they gathered together on the first day of the week on purpose. And that is because the first day of the week in the Christian church is called the Lord's Day. In fact, when you go to Revelation chapter 110, you find that all the way into the last book of the Bible, it's referenced as the Lord's Day. Look with me there, Revelation chapter 1 verse 10. It says, and I was in the spirit on the Lord's Day. And heard behind me a great voice as of a trump, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book. So we find the Lord speaking to John the Beloved as he's coming together to worship on the first day of the week. God revealed himself to John. But that's not the only reason why it's called the Lord's Day. It's also because it is the resurrection day. Look with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 24. And this is the key to Sunday being our day of worship. Look with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 24, verses 1 down through 3. It says, Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning... They came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And so here we are at the resurrection day, and it is on Sunday, the first day of the week. And what we begin to see from here on in the New Testament, throughout the book of Acts, all the references in the early church writings are that they came and they worshiped on the first day of the week, believed to be in recognition of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, if you'll look with me to Luke chapter 24, and uh, I'm going to look at verse 1, verse 13, and verse 25 through 27, we find yet even more substantiation for the fact that they were gathering together to sit under the 
preaching and teaching of God's word on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. Of course, the first verse I already read to you in Luke chapter 24. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher. So we find the apostles coming where? They come to the sepulcher to, to find the Lord. And of course, the Lord is resurrected, isn't he? Jump down with me, if you would, to verse 13. And behold, two of them went that same day. What day? The first day of the week. Sunday. That same day, the resurrection day. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. So jump down, and I want you to see what transpires as they're walking along. Verse 25. We'll pick it up in verse 24. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it, even so as the woman had said, uh, and they saw him not. And he said unto them, O fools, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And so we begin to see where they're reminded. These things were supposed to happen this way. These things were prophesied of. And so Christ is speaking to them, teaching them. Listen to what he says in verse 27. In beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So Jesus meets these two individuals. He reveals himself to them as they're headed to Emmaus. And he starts on what day of the week? The first day of the week. He starts talking about the prophecies that were fulfilled by his crucifixion and resurrection. And then it goes on to say that he, as he journeyed with them, on that first day of the week, he revealed to them all the teachings from Moses on, showing them the prophecies concerning himself as the Christ, as Messiah. So we see this precedent starting from the resurrection all the way through. We see Christ himself revealing himself, ministering in the word of God on that day. Look with me at Luke chapter 24 down to verse 33, if you would. And here it says, And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them. So here we find them that Sunday night gathered together. They're gathered together talking about the resurrection, talking about what happened with Christ. And these guys come back, they find them there, and they start telling them and teaching them about what Christ had taught them on the road to Emmaus. So we see this over and over again reinforced. Look with me, if you would, to the Gospel of John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We're going to look at verse 19 and verse 26. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came who? Jesus. And stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. So here we find the Lord revealing himself again to the early believers. When? On the first day of the week. Verse 26. Look down just a little bit farther in the text. And it says, and after eight days, again, his disciples were with him. So from that Sunday to the next Sunday, here again, you find the disciples gathered together. And this time Thomas is with them and Christ talks to them, talks to Thomas. So what's the point? The point that I'm driving home is there's a reason why we gather together on Sunday. 
It's because it is in the New Testament, the Lord's Day. And you may think to yourself, well, I don't know that pastor there's ever been a debate of that. No, there has been a debate of that. In fact, even in our area, in our state, there are folks who worship on Saturday and they say, no, 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 Christians should be worshiping on Saturday. But we have plenty of biblical evidence that the early church worshiped on the Lord's Day Sunday. In fact, maybe a little more than just on Sunday. If you look with me over to 1 Corinthians, no, I want to go to Acts chapter 5, verse 42. Acts chapter 5, verse 42 in your New Testament. Listen to what it says. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. So they gathered not only on the Lord's day, but they gathered whenever the Spirit so moved them to come together and to teach and to preach the Lord Jesus Christ. So we may say, well, how come it's just Sunday morning or just Sunday night? Well, we also meet on Wednesday night. We meet as God moves us. Our church is so selected to do Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Lots of churches have stopped doing Sunday nights or Wednesday nights, but we still desire to come and gather and to look into God's word, to sing praises, to worship together. We're doing what we feel like God would have us to do, just as that early church did. So we have biblical precedent for these things. Hebrews 10, 25, often I mention to you how that the scriptures teach us not to forsake the gathering together of ourselves together. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, it reminds us also of the early church because as Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he references that they gather together on the first day of the week to take up their offerings, to come together, to worship, to assemble together. So these are critical verses on why we as a church choose to come and worship on Sundays. But why do they come together? Let's go back, if you would, to Acts chapter 20, the text that we began with, and let's look at what the purpose is. Is it just to come and hang out? Uh, Sunday morning is a very structured service. Sunday night for us is a little more relaxed. And Wednesday night is our prayer and Bible study night. We have, it's a little more relaxed than Sunday morning, but a different structure than Sunday night. We do a Bible study. We have a prayer time. Uh, it's a different kind of service. So why do we come together? Why do we come together Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? What's the purpose in it? Let's go back to Acts chapter 20. Look with me at verse 7. It says, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. So we find two things referenced here. One, we find them breaking bread, having communion. We find them coming together to reflect on the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's not just that. When you look in the middle of the verse, it says that there Paul preached unto them. So there's a purpose. They're coming to sit under the preaching. They're coming to worship God and celebrate the resurrection. And we still today do exactly the same thing. It's interesting when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 28. In fact, let's go there and just kind of remember why we do communion on the Lord's Day. We choose to do it in the evening because that is when we found the Lord doing communion. 
1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, down through 28. Listen to what he says. And this reminds us of the value of doing communion. He says, for as he talks about this, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, he says, for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and, and, and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup when he had sucked, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. So the early church, just as we find here in Corinth, they're coming together, they're doing the Lord's Supper, and it's driven home that it's doing it to remember, to reflect, to meditate upon. Even as you come down and you read the further verses, listen to verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So he goes on to talk to them about, yes, you're coming, you're remembering and reflecting on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, but he says you need to do that with some introspection. He says you need to do it in a, an attitude and a heart that is worthy to come before God. And that's why when we do communion, we take a, a moment of introspection where we just sit and we talk to the Lord about ourselves and we confess our sins unto the Lord and we clean ourselves before God before we partake of communion. So we see the early church doing those exact same things. And we pattern after that because our desire is to be a Bible-believing, Bible-practicing church. It's our goal. It's what we desire to do. We believe that honors God. So as we look here in Acts chapter 20, yes, they come together. And as often as the Lord moves in our heart to take communion, we do that. But he also talks about Paul preaching. And you know, there's power in preaching in the scriptures. Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And here we find that God had an objective in giving preachers, prophets. Listen to what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And, and the Lord gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And now here's why. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So this gives us some insight on why we do church, why we have church. Why do we have a preacher? Why did God have apostles and prophets? What's his purpose in that? Verse 12 reminds us, it's for the perfecting of the saints and for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. So when we come together, we do so celebrating and worshiping the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the gift of salvation in Christ. We come and we contemplate and consider ourselves before God and the sacrifice paid for our sins. 
And the pastor preaches and he teaches God's word. Why? So that we ourselves can begin to work on those areas of our lives. The perfecting of the saints and then the work of the ministry. The ministry requires a lot of work, doesn't it? Just, just tonight when we were doing announcements, we talked about youth camp. Youth camp's a lot of work, isn't it? Yes, it is. If you've ever gone and worked at camp, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of blessings. We see kids come to Christ every single year, but it's a lot of work. We did vacation Bible school this last week. We had six boys and girls. I believe it was six, wasn't it, John? We had six boys and girls receive Christ as their savior through vacation Bible school. But you know what? Vacation Bible school is a lot of work. Uh, you know, even before VBS started, we came and decorated. We took a Sunday and that afternoon, some of you came and helped us. We set things up, got things ready for VBS. Uh, it's work, the work of the ministry. Um, we're getting ready to do field days and we're gonna have a booth at field days. Terry loves, loves to do this. He has a passion for getting gospel tracts out and we do too as a church. We invest in buying gospel tracts and distributing them to get the message of salvation out there. But you know what, it's a lot of work. We, we've gotta go set up the booth. We've got to go, Terry comes in, he stamps all the little tracks with our church name and the times of our services. All the little Frisbees that we're going to give out, all of them have a little sticker inside of them that says Victory Baptist Church and our website so people can go to that website. All of that is the work of the ministry. This last week I had an individual come by to see me at the office just to sit down and talk just the council. They were confused about some spiritual things, deeply bothered. So that's part of the work of the ministry, isn't it? To counsel and minister to people. So you have a pastor for the preaching and teaching, for the implementation of worship, but it's also for the purpose of doing the work of the ministry. You and I team together as a church to the glory of God that we might make a difference for the kingdom of Christ in the day and age that we live. Because we only have this life to make a difference, don't we? I can't control what my kids do. My kids are 40 years old. Now I know that Joy today, she brought all her kids to church. Uh, they were involved in a youth activity all day yesterday. Josh, I know that Sandra Joe's down in Virginia with them. They went to church today. Uh, they all faithfully served the Lord. But I can't depend on their service for my service. Can I? I can't say, well, you know, my kids are serving the Lord. That's good enough. Well, no, God's called me to serve the Lord. So we as a church, we do the work of the, of the ministry together. Each of us, whether it be VBS, Sunday school, this morning I, I stopped, I was chatting with one of our Sunday school teachers and I told her, I said, thank you so much for teaching. She has taught for years. And some of our, I, I know Kathy Boyce, how many years did you teach Sunday school? 30, 35 years, many, many, many years. That's the work of the ministry that we do as a church together. Doris still teaches in a little primary church. We all do our part, don't we? Whether it be the sound booth, whether it be vacuuming and cleaning, whether it be mowing grass, whatever it is that we do, it's the work of the ministry.
And when you look in this text, he says, he says, listen, I've given churches, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And what's the third one he says there? Did, did, you, did you see it? The edifying of the saints. And that edifying of the saints is to build them up, to encourage them, to help them, that they might become stronger, healthier as believers. That's part of the work of the ministry, isn't it? And you're a pastor. We bring in evangelists sometimes, different individuals to help minister. For the edifying of the saints, we are still striving today to follow the pattern that we find in the early church. We don't want to recreate or reinvent. Yes, technology changes, building design changes, all of that changes. But the function of the church doesn't change. And we have to beware because there are people who would like to change the function of the church. They'd like to go ahead and create a, a more modern a church where you don't really have to have a pastor. Maybe you get AI, you know, you get a screen up here and somebody puts in a whole bunch of Bible and they put in a whole bunch of experience and, and you just have an AI pastor up here who's a hologram. And you come into church and somebody hits a button back there and there's a hologram pastor here. I don't think that's what the Bible, no. It wants a pastor who's gonna minister, who's gonna teach, who's going to edify, who's gonna help do the work of the ministry. But there are people who wanna change the church. It's okay to change the carpet. It's okay to change the platform. It's okay to change the building. But you need to go to the Bible to find out what the function of the church is. And so here we find them meeting on the first day of the week. They're coming together to worship that they themselves might search their hearts, uh, yield to the teachings of God's word, be edified and do the work of the ministry. Let's go back to our text there in Acts chapter 20. And it's interesting when we look at that evening at church. So it tells us in verse eight, and there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down and fell asleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him, embracing him, said, trouble not yourselves for his life is in him. And we will find that Paul will do a work of a miracle and raise this young man up. And it tells us that the people were not a little comforted by this. What do we learn about the church in this incident? We find that the church is the same today as it was then. It's made up of all different ages. Here's a young man sitting on a windowsill. How do I know this is not an old man? Because an old man would be wise enough to not sit in the windowsill as he's dozing off. He'd know, you know, it's, it's, it's not the falling that's a problem. Does the, anybody know what, what was Eutychus's big problem? It was the landing, yes, it was, that, it was that sudden stop at the third floor down. So an older person looks at that and says, no, we're not gonna sit in the window. But you take a kid, a kid's thinking, why not? This is great. I can see everything going out there, the birds, he's dozing off, this is wonderful. He falls. 
But we learn something about the early church. It's made up of different individuals, different age groups, different life experience. But did you notice they cared, didn't they? They didn't just look out the window and say, ah, he got what he deserved, didn't he? They didn't do that. That'd be horrible, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they cared. In fact, they were discomforted. How do we know that? Because the text tells us there was an abundance of comfort in the Apostle Paul going down and caring for this child, getting him resurrected, getting him up. And then Paul, he's fired up now. Man, he just... He just resurrected this kid who was near dead or dead. And so Paul's pumped. Now he's going to preach. Never mind midnight. He goes all the way till daybreak. That's fired up. But we find a congregation of regular people going about life in a regular way and caring for one another. And that's what a church is. And that's what we do. So we come together, yes, on the first day of the week. And other times too, just as they daily in the temple and from house to house, they cease not to teach and preach the Lord Jesus Christ. We still to today try to bring the gospel out into our community, bring it out to people's homes, go out and do the work of the ministry. I can tell you as a pastor who's pastored for many, many, many years, it's harder and harder to, to minister in people's homes. I will, I'll say to them, can I come by and visit? We'll sit down and talk. They'll say to me, I'll come by the office. People have changed. They don't really like folks to come into their homes as much as they used to years and years ago. But I instantly tell them, I am happy to meet you here at the church anytime. Because they're thinking, well, you know, he doesn't want to come in the evening. That's when I have. No, I'll come in the evening. I'll come Saturday, Sunday afternoon. Because I need to be about the work of the ministry. Showing people the gospel, winning people to Christ. That's how we see people get baptized. That's how we see people come to salvation. We have to daily in the temple and from house to house if people will let us in. And if they won't, we bring them here. I'll meet them anywhere. I've led people to Christ at work. I'll go anywhere to sit down and give the gospel to somebody. That's the early church. That's what we see them doing. We're still doing those things today. We as a church, if tomorrow I drop dead and you vote in a new pastor, you need to make sure he's a pastor who desires to follow the book. Amen. We don't need to recreate church. We just need to follow what God designed in the early church. Music styles will change, come and go. Dress is going to come and go. It's going to change. Pew styles, how grateful am I that we're not still seat, sitting in those wood straight back pews? Man, I love the little comfy pews, don't you? I don't sit in them often, but when I do, it's nice. And I have my own little mini one up here, so you get comfortable in there, don't you? So much better than those old hard pews. And to be honest with you, I like electric lights. Poor Eutychus, he's up there. They got a ton of lights going in the Middle East. It's not electric lights. These are candles. These are fire lights. And it's hot. Made him fall asleep and fall out the window. I like electric lights. Things change. Technology changes. But we as a church, we need to know who we are, why we do what we do. And if it's in the Bible, we need to continue to do it. Amen? Amen? Thank you so much for coming out tonight for our Sunday evening service. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll go. 
Lord, we thank you that we can look into the scriptures. And here we can find the pattern that you have for us as a church to come, to worship, to do the work of the ministry, to edify one another. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to preach. Matt, in a couple, just a couple weeks, he's going to preach on Sunday night and Wednesday night. John just preached the other Sunday night. Lord, we, we thank you that you have raised up preachers. Help us to listen, to hear. Help us to use the, the power of introspection to compare our lives against the Bible and, and make changes. Lord, help us to never stop reflecting on the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. We come on the first day of the week to celebrate that resurrection. Thank you, Lord, for the church. Yes, for the building, but mostly for the people. For our brothers and sisters in Christ that we can worship with. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.